Hello and welcome to another episode, or this and I can't even remember what to say, um, of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you after Liverpool beat, I don't know, Darmstadt, is that right? NFT, yeah, yeah. Party? yeah, yeah thank good you. Day. Good, Darmstadt, 3-1 at Preston Park. Um, and it's very much as you were. It was, Steve, it was... Um, our, our forward players who have looked electric getting the goals and balls getting kicked over the top and is getting scored against. So, like, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was... It, it was another random pre-season game, really, wasn't it? I mean, you, you don't get much out of them. I have to say, well, well, I don't... I mean, I think, obviously, you know, they're mainly for fitness and... Sometimes you're, which seems to be the case this year, you're sort of working in a bit of a new system and obviously you're bedding in a few new players as well and, and getting used to a few few gaps where players have left. Um, we go 2-0 up in, what, six minutes or something, seven minutes, something mad. Um, and I think at that point, we probably, if we hadn't conceded the stupid goal um, about five minutes later, we probably would have gone on and, and scored a, a made it a cricket score. Um, but that simple ball over the top caught us out yet again. And we're punished. We're dead easy to score against. Um, and that sort of put put a dampener on things, really, and, and tightened the whole thing up. And we ended up, you know, playing out. Of, I mean, second half again, we're, we're, we're totally dominant. But I think in the 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 second part of the first half or for at least 10 or 15 minutes after they scored um, we gave them a little bit of encouragement and it was you know there were one or two sort of hairy moments um, we recovered well and dominated the second half completely and there are of course plenty of positives to, to sort of take from it but there is that um, there's the elephant in the room. You, you you can't get away from it. You have to talk about it. We are ridiculously easy to score against. And we can all see where the first goal against us is coming from. It's coming from that pocket, our right back area, where we've made this shift and whatever. And it's at times we're just far too exposed there. And um, when teams are playing us, they're going to be targeting that area and they're going to get some joy. Um, so it might just come down to a question of whether we can outscore teams or whether we can we can actually manage to cut that off a little bit better. But you sort of don't really want to be going into games knowing you've got a, a massively obvious Achilles heel. Yeah, it's fair, Beryl. Um, you know, we've conceded a lot of goals in pre-season, I think it's like 15 in, in six games. Like, and, and it's not exactly, you know, barring aside, it's not exactly strong opposition. Um, I I think people keep pointing at the transfer window, et cetera, et cetera. But looking at it, this doesn't look like it's something that's going to be solved by signing one or two players in specific positions for me. I, but I think the weird thing is, is at the end of last season, kind of playing this way, we actually are relatively solid and we win a lot of games by one goal and we don't concede loads. So, like, I, I don't really understand what has happened. Is this is this, is this us trying to, like, transition and evolve this new system or is it simply us 
tested its weaknesses? Um, or is it maybe just the fact that you've got very varied teams, squads, etc., etc., and you don't really have a consistent 11 throughout the game? And also right. the fact that apparently the people don't fly for offside. <laughs> yeah, you know that that part might be uh, might be problematic for uh, for a team trying to play a high line. But uh, uh, you know, to come back to the the the, the question, why you know is it that that we played this system with uh, you know the inverted uh, uh, back in 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 Trent. Um, getting into midfield when we have the ball, uh, and and you know we played that. You know, I think the Arsenal game was the first game we we started playing that way, and and from that moment on we were pretty solid and and won lots of games. Uh, could have almost um, you know got into the top four, but you know narrowly it didn't. And and now uh, seemingly playing the same uh, tactics. We are uh, shipping lots of goals from, you know, not not the best teams um, I- even. So, you know, and and I'll exclude, of course, uh, Bayern from that. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know um, if if we play uh, slightly different uh, or um, we are taking it less seriously because, you know, it, it is after all a preseason and we are you know, and. and um, famously, uh, uh, building up a fitness is, is the most important thing. But uh, I, 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 it, I would have, um, I would have liked us to to get more proficient at this uh, new tactic and and be better at it. And um, sometimes there's some, uh, you know, uh, some fluency lacking uh, from what I saw. And uh, as as Chief uh, mentioned. It's it's you know we we look very porous we we look like it's fairly easy to score against us you know the goal the goal that Darmstadt scored was you know very simple um, the ball went out to uh, I think uh, you know our left side and and then one ball in over the defense and and the player was in and scored um, you, you know and this is Darmstadt with with all uh, uh, due respect and I don't know how much respect is due but. Uh, if if you do this against um, um, Premier League opposition, I, I I I I'm pretty certain that we will ship lots of goals. We will probably also score lots of goals, but yeah, that's that's um, that doesn't seem uh, a very um, you know um, smart tactic to 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 follow. I would say so. Yeah, I I I'm not sure what's happening. I don't, but uh, yeah, it, I I would agree that. It, it is a bit, bit uh, worrying uh, what we have seen so far. Yeah, Andy, I, I find it weird. I feel like when I look at look at us play, it, it feels like this system is kind of crying out for a double pivot in there. Um, whether Trent is supposed to be that when he moves infield, I'm not sure. But then we're talking about turning three midfielders for essentially, you know, maybe one position. Um, We've seen Jones do that in there. We've seen McAllister do that in there. Um, and we've seen Trent play the six. And actually, like, does it does an actual six, let's just call him um, Romeo Lavia or Romeo Lavia or whatever. Like, like, essentially, right now it is Romeo, Romeo, where for art thou, Romeo? 
Um, you snicked my line. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, are we, does this hinge on one or two players or can we continue to function in this manner? Um, by, you know, by buying specific profiles of players to make this system work? I'm not going to lie. I think it completely falls apart when one of the back four is out for a period of time. Like, you look at how we're playing, and right the way through preseason, obviously at the start, Trent hasn't been able to do every game. Now, you'll, have, you'll want Trent to do every game in the Premier League, but he might get injured or he might get suspended or this, that, or the other. So, you know, when Trent hasn't been on the pitch, Simicast has been the one who's inverting. In the first game, when we had Trent in the six to start with, Connor Bradley was the one who's inverting. So it seems like no matter what we do, we're going to play with an inverting fullback. So it seems as though the foundations of everything are kind of built on sand at the minute. Same with the centre halves. We all know we're buggered if Van Dyke, um, if Van Dyke gets injured. And we know now that we're buggered if Kanate gets injured as well because Joel Matip isn't quick enough anymore to go out and shuttle out and cover the right-back position and be exposed. Joe Gomez, we know, definitely isn't good enough anymore to do that. Now, Phillips isn't good enough to do that. So without Van Dijk and Kanate there, it completely falls apart. On the left-hand side, I mean, there's question marks over Robertson's position anyway, but... Anytime Simicas has been playing, he's been the one who's inverting. So if Robertson's out and we have to play Simicas as a third centre half, it's he's no he's no experience of doing that. He's 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 not done it at all in preseason and didn't do it last season. And then you come on to the the number six conversation, which we've been talking about over and over and over again. Um, and obviously we want Lavia in. And I think I've made it quite clear that I think that the chat around Lavia not being ready to be our number six for next season at 19, I think it's overstated. I think he actually is good enough to be that. But it can go wrong. He can lose a bit of form or he can get injured. So there's three or four points of this system at which if any of them fail at any time, whether through luck, whether through form, it all seems to fall apart. Going into this season, I'm sure you'll ask for a prediction as to where we'll finish, but my answer to it's a little bit of a cop-out because I think if we have a fairy tale season like 13-14 where we've got a squad of around 13 players which we can use and all of them stay fit for the entire season, which is pretty much what happened in 13-14, I actually think that the first choice 11 is good enough to win the league. But if you take any one of those five points I've mentioned and you can throw Allison in there as well, take any of those out and it's very clear that the foundation's completely built on sand. I think we're taking a massive risk with this system. It's one that could pay off. It could be the most fun season of our lives and we're all on a podcast at the end of the season calling me a massive fridge forever worrying about it. But I don't know, does anyone disagree? You know, there's five players I've mentioned there that if you take out, the whole thing falls apart and I can't see any. No, I don't disagree, Andy. And I think, I think... I think that's kind of what we've seen, isn't it? We've seen that in previous seasons, um, you know, albeit um, after we win the league and it is multiple player after player after player falls apart. And I'm not sure there's any number of transfers resolves that. But but we have seen that, you know, sometimes 
sometimes in these in these situations that if you lose a player, um, we are so finely balanced and so finely attuned, and, and we are, we do operate in such a specific way that it's really difficult to compensate for that. We've been we've been very fortunate that. You know, certainly if you think about the front three, that the, the, the original front three, um, as we're going to have to now start calling them, they were always available. Um, the midfield became an issue, but, you know, it was never guys that we relied on. Um, we we've yeah. always we always had four centre-halves as well, right the way through Flop's time. He always had four centre-halves that he could throw in. And people took the piss out of Lovren, but the level Lovren actually could play at when he was next to Van Dyke, we would take that every day of the week in this squad right now. And that was our fourth choice. Right now, I think we've only got two centre halves that we can actually trust to play in this system. And one of them's really injury prone. And one of them yeah. don't know the level he can get back to. Yeah, it's it's fair. All right. Look, I, I think um let's move away from the really depressing stuff, Chief. Um a couple of bright spots, I think again, but uh, you know, uh, Andy Bell is probably now um, co-chair of both the Alexis McAllister fan club and the Cody Gakpo fan club. But I think those two guys, um, McAllister just looks, I don't I don't know. It's it's just his ability to just slip a little pass between players um, and just the right weight. And just, it makes the simplest thing look so simple. Sorry, the most complicated thing looks so simple that it, Feels like he doesn't do a lot, and then Gakpo just looks like he can do anything. Um, and playing in that midfield role, um, again, he's shown is just unbelievable ability to understand instructions and adapt his game. Um, we've seen him do it from that left hand side to the nine, we've now seen him do it in this sort of eight position. Um, so there's this. There's definitely options here, but again, are are really strong, solid options and flexible players all seem to be in the attacking kind of half of the pitch. You're muted, Chief. Chief. Yeah, yeah, and um, I don't really think that's much of a secret. At the moment, I mean, we, we, we have quality players at the back. And uh, as Andy alluded to, some absolutely integral players that uh, if, they're, uh, if they're not involved, you know, there are a lot of knock-on effects. Um, but we have a lot more competition for places, obviously, up front. And we have an embarrassment of riches there. And players who are at this sort of the right ages generally and the right part of their careers. So that is one massive positive. So before we move on to to sort of you know look at the look at the worries, that is that is, you know, one huge bonus to have that firepower there and, and those options up front. And you know, there's you'd be there's there's a train of thought you'd be forgiven for having it that you know, we could potentially blow most teams away with that firepower. And perhaps we're sort of focusing a little bit too heavily on the on the weaknesses at the back. Um but 
it's just that it's that it is so easy at times, or it seems appears to be so easy at times to score against us. Um, where the concern would be, and you know, we're we're probably set up this way to exact max maximum uh, punishment on the on the smaller teams on the smaller teams probably not the word, but on the on the on the teams that are likely to finish in the bottom ten or even eleven or twelve in in the league. Um, and with the firepower we've got, you you've got to fancy us to to simply score enough goals against those teams to to win the games. Um, the issue will be when we come up against better teams with better players um, who can exploit sort of the gaps um, that the system seems to expose or create. Um, so that would be where the worry is. Obviously, on the transfers, we might come on to things a bit later. We, we haven't plugged the gaps. It's a bit mad that, you know, We'd be going into the first game of the season against Chelsea with the idea of Curtis probably playing number six, but actually he might not because guess what? He had a knock during the week, so he couldn't he couldn't start the 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 friendly. So you know that old chestnut is cropping up again already. We're not even into the season, and we haven't really done the business there that that, that we should have by now. And you know, touch wood, we we do do some before the end of the window and it's looking very likely that one at least will be done in there. Uh, I'm talking about in midfield at this point, but we also need to, well, we could certainly do with adding to our defensive options. What does it look like, for example, when Canate can't play, when Trent can't play, um, when Robbo can't play? I mean, obviously Costas is there, but um, I don't think anybody is is a massive is massively keen to see him uh, play too many games. So there are there are things that, that still need to be done there, um, and it's not really a, a surprise given that we've sort of dragged our feet in that regard in those areas. That that actually the one area where we are well stocked is an area where we've been pro, I, I dare I say, proactive in the last couple of transfer windows, and and you know it's paid off. So. More of the same for the for the midfield and and the defence now, please, Liverpool. Yeah, um, Beryl, there's been a lot of goals scored. Um, is there any particular player that you've you've liked or stood out for you during preseason? You know, um, the attacking five, as you want. I think 15 goals between the five of them. Um, it's really really impressive. So you know. Who who do you think might kick on a level next season? Um, you know, of, of those five, I I think, and my answer will maybe be uh, not what you would expect, but I I thought um, the way uh, Salah played was, uh, you know, not not the way he he you know we 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 are used to see him play. Uh, he 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 may sometimes be a bit uh, um, selfish and in, in a good way because you know go, good goal scorers goal scorers always need to be selfish because they need to believe in the in in the chance even if you know we looking at it think you, you should cross the ball or you know give it to the other player. Um, uh, instead of that, he 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 looked more like. A, a, a provider than than a goal scorer and and you know and and still scored goals of course 
so I really liked uh, how he. Uh, I don't know if if this is something he only does in preseason, uh, and and the goals don't count anyhow. But um, but you know maybe he is progressing his his game, um, and you know get getting, and I I wouldn't call him older, but uh, you know he he is. Um, of course, w- when you get older, and, and to, to use that word, uh, uh, is you know you, you, your your talents. Um, you, you need to to ripen. You need to mature some things, and and you can't uh, you can't rely on your speed, for instance. But um, and I I still think he can rely on his speed. But maybe he is trying to diversify and trying to be a more mature player. Uh, and and try to provide more. So that that's uh, one thing that that stood out for me. But uh, I, I think um, the role of of uh, our attackers is n- not only to to score and to provide uh, goals, but uh, I think it it is very important that they know how to press because you know uh, the vulnerability in the back is has probably a, a lot to do with uh, how well uh, our our front players are um, are. Trying to get the ball back when they um, when they lose it, uh, and uh, I think there there needs to be some tweaking there. And uh, I am very very impressed with uh, the development and the integration of of uh, Cody Gakpo. Uh, he came in January. It was you know it, it's always difficult to get in um, mid season, but you know we, we were a shambles at that moment so uh it was even more difficult for him to to integrate into this team but he he did you know admirably i i would say and uh and and now in the preseason he he played more often on on uh, you know uh, i would say nominally an eight position you would say and i'm not sure you know, and again, he did it admirably, but I'm not sure that that's the best use of his talents. But uh, he, he surprised me um, up front, so maybe he will surprise me again. Uh, I still think um, I would rather see him just, you know, being uh, the, the number nine or, you know, playing up front and uh, doing the Firmino thing, which, uh, you know, he he's a, he, he, he does a really good uh, simulation of that. So, um that's two things that that um, caught my eye, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree with all that. Um, and the, the I think the interesting thing for me around this is um, <laughs> pardon me, it is the kind of Gakbo conundrum here. And I just wonder, is he playing in that eight because we are short? Or is this potentially Klopp thinking to himself, I know I'm going to be left short here um, once the window closes and I need to find a solution for it? I mean, it could be whether it's I know I'm going to be left short at the end of the transfer window or I could be left short if somebody sticks a horror tackle in on Lavia um, and he's out for two months you know that's something we might have to do I think there's no doubt that this season we're going to have to try and find some in-house solutions whether it's to the six whether it's to the uh, the left side defence issue that some people are saying um, or whether it's in the in the eight positions you know we're going to have to 
use certain other players there. You know, right now you probably only think McAllister and Sobislai are, are capable of or are of the level of actually winning us the league in those two positions just behind the strikers. I'm not sure Curtis Jones or Harvey Elliott are just yet um at that level, although you know, not a problem as uh, as fringe players are coming off the bench or as backup options. So with Gakpo, yeah, I, I agree with you. I love him down the middle. I think he's basically the the, the next Firmino and, and does all the Firmino things and scores as many goals and probably does certain things a little bit better than Firmino. You know, he has a long shot on him that, that Burrell told us about and that we saw against like West Ham, for example, last season and even in a couple of games in preseason. He's he's wanged one from 30 yards and it's, it's come very close. Um, obviously, there's plenty of things Firmino did at his peak that will be better than than Gakpo and I think his, his positioning is, is one I think he actually drops even deeper than, than Firmino did at times and you know certainly against like the bottom 10 at home you want Gakpo in and around the, the box as, as much as you can as well and not dropping too deep and giving the centre halves nothing to think about but he's tried it in a couple of games last season he tries it at the Bernabeu and okay we're 5-2 down and that's something that you know you could sort of experiment with anything there but he does it against um, against Villa as well in a in a must must win game for us. It's Firmino's last game, and um, he puts Gakpo into the midfield and he tries that there and he does it in a couple of games where he wants to try Nunez up front. So I think it's certainly somebody's looking at. It's certainly something whereby if three of your forwards are on fire, so let's say Jota, Diaz, and and Salah all start the season absolutely flying and. You don't want to make a choice between Jota and Diaz. Then, if Gakpo can drop into the midfield and you can play four of them, then that's something he'll, he'd probably be willing to do. I don't think it's he, he's always flirted with four sort of forwards and and never actually done it apart from in his first season where Coutinho's on fire. But it's always felt like he's flirted with four when, like, it's almost he's almost had his hand forced and he's he's found a way. That's exactly what I'm saying. So, like, first season, Coutinho's on fire and the front three are on fire and he has to do it. Whereas, you know, last season he flirts with it and Nunez isn't quite performing. And, well, I mean, none of them were really performing at the start of last season, certainly not Jota either. So then he, he reverts back. And I think it's the only way he's going to do Gakpo in the midfield is if he's three forwards that aren't Gakpo that he, he feels that he can't drop, um, which is entirely possible the way they're playing in pre-season. I mean... I think the, the goal tally ends up with uh, Nunez and four. I'll be, I think it's all four in the first three games. I think Jota ends up in four as well. Gakpo in three, Diaz on three, and Salah on two. Gakpo on two, I think it is, actually. Sorry, Gakpo. Oh, yes, you're right. It's, it's Gakpo on two. And Salah Salah's on two, but he gets seven or eight assists as well. Yeah, seven assists because I did my numbers right. There you go. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna protect. I'm not gonna protect any more numbers because you're you're the stat man tonight. You're rain man tonight. Yeah. But um, but yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly going forward, have no issues. And you know, it, it is it is opportunity cost at the end of the day. Winning the game four twos as good as winning it um winning it two nil. We all love the league winning season where we got those simple two nils at Anfield and they didn't cross the halfway line. But if if Jurgen feels that we're you know, increasing our chances of, of scoring goals by two in a match and only increasing our chance of conceding by one, then obviously you don't need to be a genius to work out that makes us more likely to win games. But it does feel like our hand our hands been forced into doing this rather than it being actually a legitimate tactic for getting more points next season. But let's see, it could be fun. Yeah, okay. Chief, let's move to Chelsea. Um we've reviewed <laughs> unbeknownst to me, um the uh the other four supposed uh, 
teams. People tell me we reviewed Spurs. Didn't we? Did review? No, we didn't. Let's do Spurs, right? Let's do Spurs for five minutes just for the crack because they're absolutely shite, right? Even when they're good, they still manage to find a way to fuck it up. Um, they signed some goalkeeper, which they probably do because it looks like Lloris is kind of on his way out. Um, they've signed James Madison, who is like the most Spurs signing in the history of Spurs. And then they've signed that dead fast Dutch defender that we were looking at, that like, which the only clip I've ever seen of him is he's running really fast to like clear something off the line. Mickey van der Ven. Uh, van der Ven. Um, sounds like an ice hockey player or something. Um, we expect Kane to go. It looks. Well, most recent is that they're still quite a distance away on price and strikers leaning towards Stan. These have gone on and on before. My money's on him staying, to be honest. Like, okay. well, I think I did say last season I expected him to say and go for free. But, like, honestly, I expect that Levy's playing hardball. They're probably pushing that out there to say, look, the striker's leaning towards staying. So you might want to, like, um, get this sorted quickly. I don't know. I think, look, I think Byron wanted it done now. Levy probably wants it done now. I think the manager probably wants it done now as well, so we can reinvest that. But that kind of leads me to the point where they're 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 kind of they're as spurs as they've been in quite a long time, aren't they? Given everything that's going on there. Yeah, they're massively spursy at the minute, and it's quite cool. Um they're always good for a laugh, like because you know, that whatever you say about them, they've they've not lost their identity. Um, um, their spursiness. Um, I'm dead interested to see what what it's going to be like. They've got this um, new manager in who's I don't know that much about, but all I hear is that he's really attacking and really likes to play, you know, aggressive football. And uh, you know, Spurs will be Spurs fans will be happy because after years of Conte and Mourinho and and playing really. On Tottenham, like um, they'll at least they'll at least have some some good football to watch. So I'm intrigued, to be honest. Personally, I think it'd be far better for Spurs if Harry Kane would leave, and would leave now. Uh, I think he w- wouldn't mind going, but Levy's doing as usual um, dance here. So um, yeah, as I said, my money is is on him probably staying, um, which is to the detriment of Spurs, I think. Um, I think if they got in 80, 90, 100 million for, for Harry Kane, even even at the bottom end of that, 80 million, they could they could not only reinvest the money on on strikers who actually have a, a big future at the club, sort of some some younger talent. They can also get out from sort of under the shadow of Harry Kane a wee bit. That's not to say he's not been a great player for them, but you know what I mean? When when one player can can sort of end up becoming the be-all and end-all at the club. And, and Harry Kane is that at Tottenham. And I think other players could prosper in his in his absence if, if he were to leave. Um, as it is, I don't think he will. And it's just going to be, it's just going to be interesting watching sort of Spurs go from a Mourinho, Conte, Mason situation into this um, new free-flowing attacking football. But, Still carrying a lot of the scars from 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 their old campaigns, 
So I think it's going to be massively transitional for them in some ways and probably a little bit of Groundhog Day in, in, in others. Um, so I can see them probably, you know, probably ending up in a similar position to last year, probably not really troubling the top four um, and doing well to get in, into the top six, um, given given the situation they're in. Van de Ven, by all accounts, seems seems like he could be just what the Premier he could be cut out for the Premier League given his height and his um his pace. Um so he could he could prove to be a very good sign in and hopefully we're not kicking ourselves since we were very heavily linked with him earlier in the window and we're kind of crying out for a centre half. But um that notwithstanding, I, I can't see them really being a threat to the to the top four this season. Yeah, Beryl, it, it it does feel a bit like th- there's a bit more sense here, given that post-Pochettino, Levy has tried kind of the short-term fix. I think he's seen that Champions League final as a, we have a, a squad here, blah, 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 blah. But um, to my understanding, um, speaking to like Celtic fans and, and listening to, to people who know loads more about football than I do, Postacoglu seems like a manager who, like, his niche is going into a club that's in a bit of a mess and sorting it out and stamping his authority on it. And um, this feels like the right move for Spurs now. I think Kane going probably assists probably assists that um, more than hinders it, as Beryl, or sorry, as Steve has rightly said. But this is probably not going to be the season for Spurs, but maybe this is the start of them doing sensible things again, a la Pochettino. Yeah, Pochettino was a really good uh, signing for them, uh, appointment, I, I should say. But uh, but I, I, I would say, you know, the appointments of uh, of Mourinho and, and Conte is, is a bit of a concern in that matter because... Um, <clears throat> Uh, I, I don't know if if Levy is is uh, the one who takes the decisions about the manager, but uh, I, I would say those two and and uh, Espirito Santo, uh, uh, you know, uh, almost forgot him. But um, th- those were signings that were so a- a- out actually, of uh, actually forgotten by me. Actually <laughs> forgotten. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, uh, poor man. He 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 had. You know, he looked like a man with uh, lots of charisma at Wolverhampton, but um, he was so out of place at, uh, at at Spurs because you know they were used to the the Pochettino brand, which was um, uh, a, a high pressing but also possession game and attacking football. Um, I remember, you know, Klopp's first game was a, a way to. Um, wasn't uh, am I now making things up? No. Yeah, it was always Spurs. Yeah, it was. It wasn't it. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, I, it wasn't I remember... Pochettino Spurs though, was it? Was it Pochettino Spurs? Yeah, I think it was. I think it no, was. it was Andre. Wasn't it Vias Boas or something? No, like that? that was Europe. That was um, that was Rogers. Which yeah, yeah. Which... sorry ah, for Rogers. Get, right. getting something on on a tangent, uh, but uh, I I I. Seem to remember it. It was. It was uh, Yeah, yeah. But I remember 
that uh, uh, club said that it was a really, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the pressing was, was uh, incredible and it was a really intense game, you know. Um, but, you know, going from that to Espirito Santo and then to, to Mourinho and then to Conte, it's, it's, it's a very strange trajectory um, if you have a, a clear strategy or, or a clear uh, vision about, you know, how you think uh, football should be played at your club, at least. Uh, and um, so I hope they, you know, um, for the sake of the Spurs fans, <laughs> I hope they have uh, patience with the and uh, Postagoglu because, um, you know, um, by all um, uh, reports, uh, by all counts, it's, he, he is a, um, more of a, a Pochettino-like uh, uh, manager. Uh, I, I've seen some of his teams play and, and you know, it, it looks uh, like um, Klopp football in uh, especially in the, the uh, you know the the, the first uh, few years um uh but you know i don't know if they will have the patience to to stick with him when you know things don't go uh as planned you know result wise in in the in in the, in the first few months or you know, you know if they have a patch of of games uh, in which you know things don't don't work out as the, as, as he wanted but uh, because he, i think he's a bit of a black and white uh, he he doesn't compromise from his uh, principles which is uh, i think nice to see you know uh, not not vanilla not uh, what we've already seen from from other uh, managers so it would be nice to see and and i think i i think he's secretly hoping for for uh, uh, for Kane to leave, not that Kane is not a good player because you know he he, he carried them last season I would say, uh, but famously Pep Guardiola once referred to Spurs as the uh, the Harry Kane team, uh, and you don't want to be that team, you don't want to be that club, you know. The, if if a player has has such uh, an enormous uh, shadow and you know and 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 everyone else in, in that shadow is is. You know, is not seen, uh, is uh, doesn't have the space to uh, to develop because you know you need to accommodate f- to that one player. Um, then that's not a good thing, I would say. Uh, and I, it's it's crazy to me if you don't accept a hundred million from uh, again a crazy Bayern um, offer for a thirty-year-old player who has one year on his contract. It's uh, you know I think yeah. it's great, but yeah, yeah I don't it, it see is. them as a threat as well. No, Andy, like I don't know where you are. Um, Spurs, you know, I think forget about them as being Spurs. Forget about the new manager. Forget about the Kane thing. You look at their their squad, and there are like there's significant gaps. They haven't signed particularly well in recent years. Um, they've got some decent forward players, Kane, whether he's there or not. You know, Son, Kuliseski, Um I don't know if there even is anybody else up there. Um, they've got some decent midfielders. <laughs> so know them. <laughs> um, you know, they've got some decent midfielders, the likes of Hoiberg, um, and again, centre half, you know, Eric Dyer, who else is at centre half? Davidson Sanchez. 
somebody else. They've got no fullbacks. The keeper's up in the air. The squad is... It's top eight, maybe. Um, but I kind of expect them to punch above their weight, but their weight is like bantamweight at the minute. Yeah, there's a couple of things. First of all, they've spent over... 100 million this summer well over 100 million nearly 200 million actually but three of the players have brought in Kulisevsky for 30 million who they already had Paro for 40 million who they already had and I swear there was another lone player in there um can't find it at the minute maybe it's just those two but anyway that's a massive um a massive massive part of their their budget they're basically 70 million spent this summer on something that's not actually going to improve them from last summer um you know, Van de Ven, know nothing about him. As I think Beryl says, he's, he's really quick, but that's the only thing we've seen. I think James Madison's a good player as well, but I, I don't know. When I watch Postacoglu at Celtic, and I'm not sure whether he was able to, to sort of do things and is a flexible manager, but they played a very sort of flat midfield three. So there weren't really any kind of number 10 positions in, in that squad for them. So, like, I'm not really sure how Madison and uh, he's going to be able to fit Madison and Son in there, but. Madison Do you know what his... though, Andy? See when you say that about Madison, I, I find this really interesting because I feel like you could put Madison in any team, and you could say exactly the same thing because he is that sort of throwback player, um, that kind of number ten that doesn't really exist in modern football anymore. Yeah, true. And he's you know he's a good footballer, and um, you know as if you're a, a decent if you're a decent Premier League manager, you can't just sort of rely on the the one system you have to go in there. And certainly if you're coming from Celtic, you, you can't kind of dictate the entire squad based on what your preferred formation is. If you've got Hyung Min Son in there, you have to use him. If you've got Madison there, you have to use him. In the same way that Klopp, you know, Coutinho wasn't really a Klopp player in the way Klopp wants to play, but he made it work. And then he got the money in for him. So, you know, anything I've seen of, of Postacoglu, he, he made his Celtic side very, very good, very hard to beat, very intelligent in how they pressed. Um, they were great to watch at times. One touch attacking football, free flowing. You know, they were really, really good. And, you know, he turned Celtic from a team who were miles behind Rangers in that season where Gerrard went unbeaten into a team that were and still are miles ahead of Rangers now. So, you know, he did a really, really transformative job in two years there. But I think, as Beryl touched on, will he get the time? And will he get the patience of Daniel Levy to do this with Spurs? Because at the start with Celtic, it was going really badly wrong. They got beaten by Hearts in their first game. I remember they drew it home to St Mirren and St Johnston, and there were all these all these dreadful results at the start. But when it when it clicked, it really clicked. And even just watching some of the old firms, like Rangers, just couldn't keep a hold of the ball. The passing lanes were blocked off. The pressing was so 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 intelligent from every one of his sides. My only other, I guess, concern about Postacoglu would be at Celtic, he, he used to manage in Japan and he tapped into his knowledge of the Japanese league to sign a lot of Japanese players who clearly he bought for for value, um, you know, for, for really good value compared to what they should have been because they've come into the league and taken the piss. I'm not sure at Premier League level there is that niche league that you can tap into. I think everyone knows everyone and any league that's, you know, you're good enough to make a step up in the top Premier League team, everyone's going to know all about those leagues anyway. So he can't quite tap into that niche. But yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I certainly, I'm not worried about them as uh, a threat to us. And if 
I think, as I said about Newcastle, if they are a threat to us, then that means that we've done something drastically wrong anyway. But it wouldn't absolutely shock me if things clicked for them and they were fighting for, for fourth position. Like, I don't think they're... I think if it goes well for them, I don't think they're that much worse than Man United. Yeah, yeah. I, I can get on board with that. Okay, Chief, let's move to Chelsea. We'll, we'll take a look at... The fuck, well, I don't know how much time we have left, but we'll take a look at what they've done this summer. We'll forget about all of the other players they've signed. Um, they've obviously brought Pochettino in. That's like the first sensible thing that the manager or the, the owner may have done. They've signed in Kunku. That was, you know, a long protracted kind of Navi Kaida sign in. He's injured. They've signed some boy called Jackson. I don't know who he is. They've signed a centre half called. Are you for Desa- real? <laughs> Shut up. Not Miss Jackson, Mr. Jackson. Um, Sorry. Uh, it's okay. I'm surprised I actually got that. Um, they've signed a centre half called Disassi, which again, we discussed how the, the back page headlines in the tabloids might play out if he does something wrong. Some defensive midfielder called. Uga Chukwu. Apologies if I've offended anybody by that butchering of that pronunciation. They've signed your favourite goalkeeper, Robert Sanchez, and then some Brazilian fella called Angelo. Um, They've loaned Angelo out already, by the way. Sorry, I just checked that after we pre-potted. Oh, sorry, they what? They loaned Angelo out already to Strasbourg. Oh, okay, fine. They're doing that loads because they're owned by the same thing. As they do, yeah. It's very on-brand Chelsea. But Chief, you know, I think the standout thing for me is there is that yes, they've got Thiago Silva and they have obviously Levi Colwell coming back who everybody's very excited about but only played like 15 Premier League games last season. Um, they signed a new goalkeeper who you don't love and they're, they're, yeah, there's Enzo Fernandez there and, and Conor Gallagher who looks to be kind of nailed on the midfield given pre-season but they still there's still a massive glaring hole in that centre forward position, and it doesn't really look like the the kind of the false nine move either. So I don't know, like where where are you with with Chelsea at the minute? Are they close given the manager that's that's at the helm, or do you reckon it's going to take some time to start to get that right? They're a basket case, to be well, honest yeah. with you. I mean, you're they, totally they, right. they were. I'm trying, to make, I'm trying to make the conversation kind of interesting, but yeah, you're fucking totally right. <laughs> they, I mean, they are. It was last season was bizarre for the for the sheer number of teams that just looked absolutely rudderless. Spurs were one for for a good while, and and Chelsea were another. And we're covering both of them tonight. Spurs, we've we've just talked about Pasta Goglu's come in. You said that they seem to be doing things a, a little bit more sensibly, and you're probably right. Um, let's see, Chelsea. You could sort of, on the face of it, say the same with uh, with Pochettino. But then you look at some of these signings and you're sort of left scratching your head and, and, and the business that's gone the other way as well. Um, it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to have a pattern. It doesn't seem to, to, to really add up. Um, as you said, there are sort of glaring holes in the squad, particularly at uh, centre-forward. That's been it's been like that for a few years now. They've not addressed that at all. Uh, obviously, they brought in Unkunku, um, who they fancy to score a few goals, and and he is handy, but you know he's he's got himself injured, and 
I think quite badly anyway a few a good few weeks out I think I, I haven't heard exactly what it was but it, it certainly there was no doubt that he was missing the start of the season so um they're gonna have to do something there um they've got an owner who or whatever's happening there at board level who just seems to be out of touch it's you know and 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 sort of you know, hard to get on a leash, shall we say, untamable almost. Um, you would I, personally, I would not, as a professional football. If I were a professional footballer, I would not want to be playing for Chelsea at the moment. There, anything could happen with them. Really, anything to the point of being put up for sale again uh, before the end of the season. Um, so. Pochettino's really got it all to, or yeah, Pochettino's really got it all to do to to sort of get a rein on things and and start to focus a little bit on on formulating a, a plan and a formation and a system and sort of trying to converse with the with the ownership to to get some kind of coherent plan on on the players they might actually want and need. Um, and I think it'll take take them a while to do that before they're sort of pushing in in any direction. I again, like uh, like their rivals in in London, I don't see them really, honestly troubling the top four this season. Um, I think when you look at at the other teams, uh, obviously this is a, a Liverpool podcast and we're Liverpool fans. So given that we just missed out last year and we we finished sort of. Um, with a bit of a with a bit of a, a, a rush for the line, um, you'd fancy us to get in there. You're going to back City to be in there. Arsenal will, I think, certainly be in there. And then you're looking at at, at one other team. And for me, it's it's probably not going to be Chelsea or or Spurs. It it might well be United. It could be Newcastle. They could they could grind another season out because to finish fourth. You don't need to be spectacular. You just need not to lose that many games. And Newcastle are, certainly showed they were capable of that last season. Or it could be another team that sort of benefits from not being in Europe. Maybe maybe Brighton finally make that, you know, managed to make that step. Um, although they have Europa League, I suppose, so uh, perhaps not. Um, but I, I don't see it being, being Chelsea. I, I think they're just in a mess. Yeah, Beryl, it's, um, they are kind of like, we, we've seen Chelsea prove and bust. We've seen Chelsea be ruthless in the transfer market, both with players and with, um, and with managers. But they're, they're, they always seemed like reactive, but also sensible options. They always went out and kind of got best in class. Um, whether that's like, you know, Mourinho, Conte. Yeah, VS Boys didn't work out, but at the time he was the up and coming. And the same with players, you know, they tried it with Shevchenko, it didn't work. They tried it with Torres, it didn't work. Um, but then they went, you know, they have always looked at the top end of the market. But this kind of seems like, you know, a Chelsea on steroids that have kind of mutated into something that doesn't really understand what it is anymore. And, you know, I I think, see, Fred, it can go either way, but I, I feel like there's too much instability there for them to really get it together for 
a sustained and consistent period of time for them to really kind of make an assault on the top four again. Yeah, you know, um, you, you know, people might know, uh, people being you probably, um, that I'm a social psychologist. So, you know, I, I, I study how, uh, how people function in groups. Um, and, you know, w- one thing, and, and this is, you, you don't need to be a social psychologist to know this, but if you have a new group, it takes time to, <laughs> to, to gel together. You definitely don't have to be a social psychologist to know this, but um, you know th- there's been a lots of upheaval in this, uh, you know, in this squad. If, if you if you would um, take the start of last season as uh, you know the, the the point from or, you know the, the, we start to look at this squad. Um, first of all, there's still Thomas Tuchel there. It's it it seems ages ago, but. Um, Thomas Tuchel, someone who is still regarded as one of the the top managers in in the world, um, and, and you know if you look at the players that were playing at the, uh, at that time, and who you know the ones that have left, the ones that are have come in, it's it's an enormous um, uh, overhaul of 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 a, a, a selection, uh, and. and uh, Pochettino is is probably uh, uh, also a very good uh, manager. He has been out of the game for a, for a while, so I think he was uh, maybe m- um, more eager um, than he would have wished to, uh, and 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 maybe wouldn't have taken this this position if if he had more choices or yeah. But uh, I'm speculating there. But uh, but still. Um, I'm I'm not entirely convinced that this is where he wants to be, where he wanted to be, uh, you know, say uh, three months ago or a year ago. Uh, they have lots of talent. They bought lots of talent, but I I'm not seeing a team right now. If I look at the selection and uh, in preparation of this uh, this pod, uh, I looked at uh, at you know the players that came in and the players that they r- r- have right now. Uh, and I'm I'm struggling to see, uh, you know, what the first eleven is, or you know how uh, how things would uh, would 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 be lined up. Uh, and and it, and uh, surely has a, a better idea of what it would be. But uh, I think there is uh, a lot to be, and they have a lot to to do before they uh, they can be. A stable force, uh, which you need to be if you want to end up in the in the in the upper half of uh, of the Premier League. I would say so. You know, they they, they might win against anyone in uh, when they have their day, because you know, again, there is lots of talent in there. But uh, uh, on the other hand, they I, I would predict that they would be very unstable in the, in the at least in the first half of the season. I would say. Uh, and um, you know we are we are playing them um, on the first uh, day of the season, so maybe that that's I would say that's an advantage. Um, yeah, if we, if we are stable in our place, so yeah, uh, I I find it really hard to to have a, um, um, to 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 know what we are what we are up against uh, in the case of of Chelsea, really hard. Yeah, Beryl makes a good point there, Andy. I think for Pochettino, after 
after the PSG debacle, if he's a little bit like out of the frying pan into the fire sort of scenario here. Um, except it's kind of the opposite. Where <laughs> rather than having a whole pile of you know, huge personalities to kind of manage, he's got all of these like kind of up and coming, expensively assembled players that we're not really sure what they are or, or what they do or how good they are or, or do they fit into a coherent system. Because let's be honest, these players haven't been bought for a style or system. Obviously, there's three managers in the last, what, nine months at Chelsea. So he's got his hand, you know, cobble something together here to, to resemble a coherent side. And you would think that this is a great time to get Chelsea because he hasn't really had the time to do that yet. But we kind of, there's so many, par, there's so many, like, not parallels, but opposites here that, Chelsea are throwing money there right and centre with, with no kind of coherence. We're trying to be coherent, but don't have the money to throw at it. So we're kind of in the same situation for for the opposite reason. And this is what makes this game probably much more difficult than it should be for us. Listen, first game of the season, I don't care what the personnel is. You don't want to go away to Stamford Bridge at any time. You know, mad things happen on the first day of the season. You've got adrenaline that you don't have 10 games in. You've got that excitement and that buzz and that atmosphere around a stadium that you don't have 10 games in. And as much as we've been quite negative about our pre-season, not our pre-season in terms of the fixtures, but in terms of the transfer activity, certainly, we're still all going to be buzzing going into this game on Sunday. You know what I mean? So they'll be doing the exact same. And, it, you know, it's a, it's a tricky, tricky first fixture. You have a look at the players that they've um, he's got rid of this summer. He's got rid of Havertz, Mount, Kovacic, Koulibaly, Pulisic, Mendy, Loftus-Cheek, Kante, Aspilicueta. That's just some of them. Now, any of those players that I've mentioned there, at Chelsea first 11 last season, you wouldn't be surprised to see any of them in it. They've also got rid of Ampadu, who was once a, uh, a, a you know a highly rated young centre half. They've got rid of Abamyang. Baban Rama is a uh, is a good player as well. Who was seen, and they've also lost Felix and Zakaria, who were both on loan. So they've got a lot of players out there, and as much as they you know have spent a lot of money, they're actually in profit this summer, in terms of the players they've brought in versus the player they've uh, the players they've they've sold. Now the players they've brought in. We've got Nkunku and Jackson, I think, as we've talked about. We've got another centre-half in Dezassi and this fella, Uwechukwu, and uh, and Sanchez as well. Who I'm, I'm on board with Chief. I don't think he's... Um, certainly isn't the, the Allison transformative goalkeeper sign, and, and Kep is a bit rubbish. So, by all accounts, they've had a really positive pre-season, and I know that doesn't necessarily always translate into a really positive actual season, but there seemed to be a little bit more of an identity about how they played. And part of that will be Pochettino versus Lampard, to which there was no identity whatsoever. And part of that will be actually has trimmed down this squad a little bit. And if you actually look at some of their squads in pre-season, there are some kids on the bench there. It does look like a normal size squad now. It will take a little while to get going. I think for them in terms of the, the, the season as a whole, I don't think it'll affect the first game. But I think they can be very excited about their front three. You know, the lad Jackson's only 22. He scores 12 goals in 25 for Villarreal last season. You know, not one of the big boys in Spain. He's scoring at a, a rate of one and two there. So 
you know, decent season for him. Probably represents 15 to 20 goals if he starts up front the whole time. And I know they've got Nkunku as well. He can play there. But actually in preseason, they've been playing Sterling and Nkunku either side of um, of Jackson. So I think even when Nkunku comes back, I think Jackson, they're looking at him as the, as the number one striker because Lukaku, by all accounts, doesn't seem like he's sticking around anywhere. So obviously, you know, Mudrick will, will come in and replace Nkunku in that team. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's as good as Nkunku, but we'll see. So you actually look at it and, I, I, you know, it wouldn't shock me again if they're the team that, that you know, sort of like Spurs. I don't necessarily expect it, but it wouldn't shock me if they're the team challenging for the top four next season. As I say, there's an identity there now. They've got viciously um, quick wingers and a, a quick centre forward by all accounts as well. So if you're actually looking at the uh, the ways you can get at Liverpool, you know, what's your tactic to a team? playing Liverpool right now based on what you've seen in pre-season you're saying sit in tight make it difficult for the likes of McAllister and Sobosly to feed the ball through to the front three and when you get it two wingers hit the channels and just big ball over the top well you know Sterling and Jackson and, and Mudrick are, are gonna that's exactly how, how they'd uh, how they'd love to play if you tell them you know Liverpool's weakness is fullback areas are caught out position in this mad system they're playing and you two will have space to run at Kanate and Van Dijk. You know, they will fancy themselves and they will get chances on on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. I actually think it could be an unbelievable game. Like, it wouldn't shock me if this ends with at least five goals, I think. Um, After how many nil-nils in a row? Literally, yeah. And I think even before even before the four or five nil-nils, there was two draws as well. I think we draw 2-2 in that mad game where they scored two just before half-time. And then it's one one when uh, we're out in Belfast. It. No, that's that's ages ago. The the one one where we're out in Belfast and Reese James gets sent oh, off. Oh God, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's been six draws in a row, and I think this is just going to explode because we're a lot less defensively solid than we have been in recent years, but probably more attackingly potent. That's even without the the questioner, the number six, and. They're a bit of a basket case, but they've got really good players. They've got the midfielder that everyone wanted after the World Cup, and they've got a coherent front three with a plan. So, yeah, they could catch us. They could catch us cold. They could be 2-0 up after 20 minutes on Sunday. There's a world in which that happens. They get a couple of chances, as they will do, and they take them. I just hope that the the two or three goals that I think they will score, you know, I, I think and I hope that we can score three or four and, uh, you know, as long as I think, in terms of these three games, you know, considering you've got two of your ten toughest fixtures this season in those three games, I would say, I think we all shake hands on seven points. Yeah. Okay. So Chase, that brings us on to the Chelsea game. It, it is. It's. It's. It's so unpredictable based on everything we've talked about. Um, and probably as unpredictable as the lineup. So I think let, let's rattle through what we think a lineup will be. And there's absolutely no point attempting to score predictions on this one. But presumably, okay. So look, one thing I want to cover beforehand. Um, I think the front, the whoever plays up front will, will will be interesting. But I think preseason, as Andy mentioned earlier on, Johnny gets four, Nunez gets four. Diaz gets three, Salah and, and um, Gakpo get two. Salah, however, is always going to play and get seven assists. Starting to turn into that playmaker we talked about a few years ago. 
But I think what's really interesting is in the last 10 games of last season, Nunez gets one, Gakpo, Gakpo and Diaz get two each. Salah and Jota get seven goals each, which is wild, given that we weren't exactly free scoring there. Um, aside from obviously you know, the Southampton game and the, and the Leeds game. So, yeah, um, presumably Alisson, Van Dijk, Kanate, Robertson all start. I suppose the question is, do you go Gomez right back, push Trent in the midfield? Who else plays in midfield? And who is the third if he doesn't? And who are your front three? My front three, I'll start there, would probably be... Um, it's tough, like, but probably... Probably... Gakpo, Salah and uh, Jada. But <gasps> no, Darwin, what? No, there's a... Well, Jada's... Goals, goal scoring is is, and he's incredibly sharp. And like you said there, the the final part of last season, and he's he's just the type of player that will score you a goal in that in that first twenty minutes, uh, from a from a set piece or from just arriving or just stabbing one into the bottom corner. He's the type that'll get you ahead in in that game. Obviously, Salah will start, as you said, and. Gakpo just knits things together really, really nicely. I mean, there's obviously a big shout for Luis Diaz to start, and you know Darwin's goals in preseason, obviously in his mind would would make him a, a big contender to start. But I'd probably start with with the three I've just said there: Jota, um, Gakpo, and and Salah. Um, yeah, the back. At the back, it's interesting because it would be just the, the five you mentioned if you weren't thinking about maybe putting a bit of cover in there and, and bringing Joe Gomez on and playing Trent a bit further forward, actually starting him further forward. Um, if you were to do that, then you're probably looking at him and McAllister and probably Curtis in there, maybe. Um, but that's where the question marks are, obviously. Uh, what does he do? Um, we don't start with, with Joe Gomez, certainly, against Darmstadt. Trent starts in that right-back position. Um, and that has been the the way of it, really, through preseason. I would imagine Who do you think that- inverts if, uh, if he goes Gomez and Robertson chief? Because we've done inverting all the preseason. There's not been a single minute where... Fullbacks are played like normal fullbacks. Yeah, that's it. So I don't, I don't really see him starting with Gomez there. Um, I think it's something that maybe some of us would like to do, um, just for security, just just to to to, to have extra cover there in in that area we we talked about earlier. But I don't really necessarily see him doing it. And uh, I would see, yeah, I would imagine that it, it's just Robbo uh, and Trent. At left and right back, and and Trent sort of playing the hybrid role, as it's been been as it's come to come to have been known now. Um, so yeah, so there are one or two question marks. I mean, and I wouldn't like to 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 sort of uh, nail my colours to the mast. I, I'm not sure who starts in there in midfield and um, uh, in in this in this opener. To be honest, I think. Alexis obviously does, 
Um, if perhaps if 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 Curtis is recovered, then then he goes in there at six, and and maybe Sabozlai also starts. Uh, not a hundred percent sure there. I mean, any any advancement on that? Where are you on that barrel? It, it, you know, it, it all depends on how we play, and um, you know what we did in preseason is is probably a, a good predictor of how we will play. But uh, I'm 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 not entirely sure it is. Uh, I, I I saw some uh, um, some some remarks of from Klopp saying that you know we need to de- determine the the way we will play against Chelsea, which is not the same as. We will de- uh, determining how we will play the rest of the season. So uh, he might do something different, and uh, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, Andy may have uh, watched uh, the preseason games better than I did. But I, I, I thought there were moments in which we played a more traditional four-three-three, uh, especially when Van Doak and uh, um, and and Gomez behind him were playing, and they, they were more, you know. Doing the more traditional roles of winger and wing back, or but, but when uh, we were when back. they were doing that, Beryl Shimakas was always playing the midfield on the other side. Okay, yeah, that maybe maybe I missed that, but uh, <laughs> you know I, I was uh, concentrating on the right side. So yeah, you you might be right that that, that then you know we inverted the inversion. Um, okay, uh, but still, um, it 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 uh, if we play, you know. Uh, the the box shape or the rectangle or whatever the hell you want to call it, and um, you, you you have to play with uh, Van Dijk and Konate because you know otherwise I don't know how to, how to do it. I, I think Robo is has been massive for us, but uh, it, this this uh, tactic obviously doesn't suit him. Um, yeah, but still no alternatives. But uh, the midfield then. Um, you know, it needs to form itself. The the three needs to form itself into a four, with uh, with uh, Trent uh, uh, joining it. So McAllister is definitely playing if he's fit, and you know he ha- has been. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm all already a big fan. Um, uh, and I think then Curtis Jones and uh, and Soboslai would be the the most logical candidates for the other two spots in midfield. Uh, and uh, up front, yeah, I, I would love to see Gakpo in in the you know the the Firmino role, uh, and Salah obviously plays, but uh, you know which leaves uh, the the question: who should be the left winger? I think the combination uh, is uh, Nunez and Diaz and um, Gakpo and Jota. So I think Jota plays if Gakpo plays. Uh, so that would be my predicted uh, lineup, I would say, and uh, and uh, I I would have some confidence if if these people, you know, if these players will play. Uh, yeah, we we uh, I would give us <laughs> I would give us a chance. Yeah, you'd you'd like to think so, Andy. Look, I, I think. There is those debates. I think the interesting thing is we don't know who's going to play in midfield, although we don't have enough midfielders. So, like, where's your starting eleven? 
Um, it's a difficult one because how McAllister played on, well, what day was it? Yesterday in the friendly, in the number six position, sort of made me rethink exactly what I'd do. For, like, for me, it was beforehand going into this game, it was the only question mark was around the front three because I thought the midfield would be Jones, McAllister and Sobosly, but seeing McAllister the other night, you know, I, I don't think there's that much difference between McAllister and Jones in terms of their ability to play the six. So, you know, that that's thrown something up in the air for me as well. Now, whether he's brave enough to go for Gakpo in the midfield and then three forwards ahead of him away to Chelsea first day of the season, you know, you wouldn't put it past him. He's done things like that before. Um, McAllister does play quite a lot in the six for Brighton last season. In fact, plays more in the six than any other position. So it's something that we, we could see. I know Jones was injured, but it's probably no bad thing to keep Chelsea guessing on what we're going to be doing for next week. They'll have seen the Bayern video. They'll have thought, right, that's exactly what we're going to do to get at Liverpool. And then if there's the little thought in their mind about, well, it could be McAllister there instead of Curtis Jones. What if Gakpo's in the midfield? What's our plan for him now? Who's going to play up front if it's not Gakpo? All these things will be in their minds. And, and I think that's no bad thing, that unpredictability. Obviously, the cost it's come at is that we didn't get a one last game before the, the start of the season playing probably exactly as we would have wanted to play. So I think you start with the back four. And um, well, obviously, Allison's going to play. I think Trent's going to do the hybrid, Virgil, Canate, and Robertson. And my front three would be. Well, I mean, it's going to give away what my midfield would be, but my front three, well, I'll go midfield. I'll say Jones, I think he'll play. He's just slightly at the edge of McAllister because McAllister, we know, can play the eight. Um, Jones has done a, a decent summer there at the Euros and has had a decent preseason there. McAllister and Sobosly, I think, ahead of him. You know, I think Sobosly still finding his feet a little bit, but he's he's big and he's massive and he's great at tactical fouls, and I love that, and I don't think we do enough of that. Um, and so like he takes good set pieces too from what and, we see and I think uh, Kepa who we assume will start or maybe it'll be Sanchez we don't know but I think he's the worst um, statistically the worst goalkeeper in the league for, from long shots um, he seems to have smoky wrists so we've all seen the highlights of Sobis line he hasn't really had an opportunity to do it in pre-season but you know if he does get if, if he does get 20 yards of space around him he might just think I'm going to wang one here and that could be the perfect introduction to his Liverpool career. So obviously Salah plays. I'm going Gakpo down the middle. And by the skin of his teeth, I'm going to favour Diaz from the start over Jota. Oh, that's controversial. Controversial. I just can't say... I knew where you we're... wouldn't like that one. Yeah, I just can't say where, where Jota doesn't play. Um... I think Diaz is just magic, mate. He is. He is. Um... But I feel like, you know, with, with Reese teams there, I think Jota can look after him a little bit better. And I feel like I, I don't want I don't want a one on one with 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 Reese teams out that left hand side. I'd rather have Jota kind of pulling him there front and centre with his movement rather than someone trying to beat him one on one. Diaz tortured him in the cup finals last year. But you know, was he effective in an attacking sense? I don't know. We'd never score against Chelsea, so look, we'll, we'll wait and see. I just think Jota's so hot at the minute, it's really difficult to leave him out. All right, boys, appreciate everything as usual. Um, until next time, um, up the up the Romeo, Romeo, where are the Romeo Reds? <laughs> <laughs>